You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. And I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. And while you're turning, I'd like to share with you, it is good to be back with you today and to be vertical among you today. Uh, As you know, last week I uh, was enjoying the gift of kidney stones again. That is a gift that um, just keeps on giving for us. Uh, It's a genetic thing. My dad had some and my brothers have had them and... um, I, by far, have the record. I think we're probably around 78-ish, somewhere in that ballpark since I was uh, 20 years old. And so, you know, before you send me too much stuff, um, I do have a urologist. I do not drink tea. I do drink a lot of water. You'll see that my wife always gives me water when I came in, you know, come in and I try to hydrate. And we've tried the diets. We've tried the tests. We've tried all the stuff. And they finally just go, it's just genetic. That and a little bit of stress, not that there's anything to ever be stressed about, you know, just kind of creates that. So last uh, Saturday night, we had some of Nancy's family over and um, about, you know, eight o'clock or so, it just kind of hit and uh, I was trying to fake it, you know, and get through it. That's what we do when we're around family and friends, you know, you just try not to make it, you know, too obvious. And, and so, you know, once they left, you know, I was trying to deal with it and uh, taking some basic pain medications that you can still function, that kind of pain meds. Um, and so then about three o'clock in the morning, I got up uh, Sunday morning, took a shower thinking I'm either going to church or somewhere. Uh, but something is probably going to happen at some point, maybe. And so went ahead and got all cleaned up, dressed, and you know worked on the sermon more and was praying about it and thinking about it. And about 5.30, I called Nancy, woke her up, and, uh, and I said, I need you to call Pastor Rocio. Because I thought if Rocio was going to get a phone call at 5.30 in the morning saying, congratulations, you thought you were just preaching at 3 o'clock, you're actually going to get to practice four more times. It might go better from Nancy. (laughs) So Nancy called uh, Rocio. Thank you for sliding in. Um, I've always shared with our associates, you should always have an emergency sermon ready because pastors are only human and you could be called at any time. And Rocio got to experience exactly what I was talking about. Um, And so it is good to be back. I knew about 5.30 that we had to move to a different level of medication that you probably would not have wanted to hear me preaching while on it. Maybe you would. It could have been maybe one of the, one of the best sermons you've ever heard. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Um, so, but um, it, it's been an interesting week. Also, just formally, I need just to remind you to make sure we've dotted the I's across the T that uh, we will be having a called church conference on Monday night, September the 11th at 7 o'clock. A church conference means that all full members or professing members of the church are the voting members of the church. And uh, we will be acting on the church council's unanimous recommendation Uh, that we formally disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. We'll remain Methodist Wesleyan and 
the church that we are today and the church that we are on the 13th will be no difference or the 12th. Um, but, you know, that's our essence and our being. But uh, that will be held on Monday night, September the 11th, 7 o'clock. And immediately following that, and again, we have to announce by church rule, and that is um, that following that, we'll have a brief charge conference. And at a charge conference, only the church council members are the voting members. And that will be just to authorize the church trustees and the conference trustees then. Right now, all the church's properties are held in trust with the United Methodist Church. They will be formally deeded to this congregation of the Weddington Methodist Church. And so we have to uh, adopt that. But church law says it has to be announced formally, so we have done so. Also, next Sunday night uh, at 6 o'clock, we will be bathing all of this in prayer. So if you'd like to join us for a prayer service next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, here in the sanctuary, you are welcome to join us. Isaiah chapter 51, beginning at verse 1. Isaiah 51. I've shared with you before, I think sometimes when we read the scripture, we have this tendency to read very quickly. We've learned to read novels quickly and read other things so quickly, get through textbooks quickly. And we do the same thing with the Bible. And sometimes when we do that, we miss the emotions of God and the intensity. So I want to invite you to, to hear God's passion when he shares this. Isaiah 51 verse 1. Listen to me. You that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me, and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment. And those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people who have my teaching in your hearts. Do not fear the reproach of others. Do not be dismayed when they revile you. For the moth will eat them like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool, but my deliverance will be forever and my salvation to all generations. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. 
Every time I read one of the Old Testament prophets, I'm reminded of how hard it was to be a prophet. I mean, sometimes as a prophet, you had to say things that people really didn't want to hear. Sometimes as a prophet, you had to say things that could get you killed. But once in a while, you would have the privilege then of turning that message and sharing a message of hope and what God is doing. And that's what Isaiah is getting able or getting ready to do or is doing here. Isaiah can be broken up into different books. And, and Isaiah, for example, 1 to 39 is kind of known as book 1 or first Isaiah. And, and then chapters 40 to 55 is kind of known as book 2 or second Isaiah. And beginning at chapter 40 is when you see Isaiah turning this message to a message of hope for a people who definitely needed to hear it. Why? Well, the children of Israel are in exile they, the Babylonians have come in and taken over their land and, and, and conquered them. There's a foreign army that's now on the soil. And, and not only that, they've been not taken out of their homes and, and, and banished and moved across the vast empire. I want you to picture this. Sometimes we, we read it and we hear about it, but think about what would it be like if, if today a foreign, a foreign army, a foreign being came over and they conquered our land and all of a sudden someone shows up at your house and, and you're being pulled out of the house that you built, you paid for. I put that deck on. I built that. I did this. I did that. I planted those trees. This is my home. This is my yard. And now you're being removed from that. And imagine if you were more rural in your, in your life and you're sitting there going, but this is land that my great-grandparents had, my grandparents had, my parents have had, and, and this is family land. This is part of who we are. Not anymore. Get off. And then you watch as, as, as your people, as, as your, your men and your boys and others are, are bound with ropes and tied to chariots and, and, and they're led away, drug away to a new place, another part of, of the vast empire. And other people now are brought into your land and, and they move into your house and they take over. Imagine what that would feel like. Because that's what the children of Israel are, are going through. That's why the Exodus event and, uh, and, and Exodus as well as the Babylonian captivity are the lens that the Hebrew people still today see their lives through. It was a, a painful, challenging time. But now God is reaching out to them with a message of hope. I, I'm about to bring deliverance to you. I, I am about to give you hope and bring you back into the land that I had promised you. I'm about to do a great thing within you. But there's now a split among even the people of God. Because there are those who are trying to be righteous and true to who God is calling them to be. Others that have gotten used to the new world in which they found themselves. And now God is saying to them, listen to me, you that are seeking righteousness. Now in verse, 50, in verse 1, you, you hear that imperative and you see it throughout Isaiah 51. Listen. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, excuse me, uh, if you have a moment, I'd like to... To say something. 
if you will just give me a second and, and, and bend your ear. No, I mean, this is God going, listen to me. It's an imperative. The, the Hebrew word is shama, and it means to listen intelligently, to hear intelligently. I really need you to pay attention to what I am saying here. I need you to diligently discern what I am talking about here. God says, you that pursue righteousness, because clearly not everyone is doing that anymore. Not everyone is seeking the righteousness of God. And so God is speaking to the children of Israel, but now he's speaking to a a group within the children of Israel. Those of you who are willing to listen to me and seeking righteousness, listen to me. There's now a set-apartness within the set-apartness. You that are seeking righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Again, I I want you to pay attention in that scripture when you read that word Lord, because you'll notice this is one of the places, again, where the word Lord is in all capital letters. And as I've shared with you many times, that's a way of telling you it doesn't really say Lord there anymore. What What it really says there in that text, what it really says in the manuscript is Yahweh, the name of God. But remember, the name of God was to be so revered. One of the commandments was you would not take God's name in vain. And and unless we ever utter God's name in a way that was not the holiest way, the most reverent way, the, the title Lord would be substituted for the name of God, lest we dare take it in vain. But I want you to hear that because this is not simply saying you that seek the Lord. It's a specific God. You that speak seek God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Moses. This is not some generic God, but this is the God. This is not about you that are spiritual, because you can be spiritual and nowhere near Christianity or the people of God. You that are seeking to be faithful to God himself. It reminds me when Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount and and, and, in Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not just righteousness, but his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. It's interesting to me when you read the Bible now. I've, I've taught disciple numerous times. I've been preaching for years. And, and yet there are times when you just are reading over the scripture and something sticks out to you again. And, and I remember a couple of weeks ago as I was reviewing the scripture and, and it just hit me this verse one, the way it said, and look to the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were dug. And I read it again. I mean, I've read it many times, but it just kind of hits you. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were dug. Now, stone in biblical times was, 
you know, a precious thing to build with. And kings and, and rulers and the aristocracy, they loved to build with stone. It was a way of showing, look how big I am, look how mighty I am, look how powerful I am, look how solid my reign and my rule is. That's one of the reasons it was King Nebuchadnezzar who said, a great wall of strong stones quarried from the great mountains. Oh, the bragging of the stones that you have. Look at the might. We think about rocks today. We even will say, well, that is rock solid. Uh, when we say it's rock solid, we're going, this is firm. This is something you can count on. This is a sure thing. This will hold. And God is looking at us. He's looking at the people of Israel, and I think he's looking at the church, and, he, and he's going, you were cut from an amazing rock. Turn to the rock from which you were hewn. Because this is who you are. You were created in the image of God. This is your essence and your being. And, and, and stay, look at the quarry from which you were dug. Brevard Childs is one of the renowned Old Testament scholars of our time. And now reading his stuff, I will go ahead and warn you, it's kind of like reading a dictionary. But, but he gets deep in the scripture. But I loved what he said in his commentary on Isaiah when he said, to those who respond... The challenge is given to return to the roots of the faith, the source of the nation's true identity. The call here is to return to the roots of the faith, the source of our true identity. There's something about rock quarries. I don't know if you've ever been to one. Now, Nancy and I grew up, as you know, just north of Statesville and in that Statesville area and up in the North Idle area. Uh, there are some rock quarries. There's even one rock quarry that, you know, I knew growing up we were forbidden to go to. You know, you are not allowed to go to the rock quarry. Do not go swimming in the rock quarry because everybody liked to go jump on these ledges. And my brothers, they were sending around some pictures just the other day. We were talking about the quarry near where we grew up that they swam in when we were told not to swim in it. You know, and there are these cliffs, you know, where, uh, that you can then jump off of and, and down into the water. But, but so many people lost their lives doing that. Even the divers up there in the Iredell County area and Alexander County will use the quarry there for training because there are certain places where you can get and, and the water coming from beneath is so cold that your body will go into shock with the change of the temperature so fast. And, and that's one of the reasons some people just get where they, they can't really come back up. But it's incredible to, to look at the height of the rock and then look down and just see how deep it goes. Just solid rock. And God is looking at us going, I am the solid foundation for you. I am the mountain that you can turn to. And don't forget, this is who you are. This is what you're made of. He said, look at Abraham. Abraham was just one person when I called him. And Abraham was old when God called him. As, as a matter of fact, I love the way Paul puts it in Romans chapter 4 when he's talking about Abraham. He goes, and he was good as dead. I mean, what a great compliment when somebody looks at you and goes, and you're about good as dead. Right? He was well on up in his years, and so was his wife, Sarah, who had never been able to have children, and yet God made a promise to them, and he said, and look, from Abraham and Sarah, I have made a great nation. 
And I have so many great things that I'm getting ready to do for you. I'm about to bring you out of exile. I'm about to restore you as my people and rebuild the kingdom. And and the wilderness will now be like the, the Garden of Eden, the desert, like God's garden. And joy and gladness and thanksgiving will be in the song. You will be able to sing songs of praise. The challenge is you need to look to the rock from which you were hewn so that I can now use you. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse 7, he says, listen to me, you that know righteousness. This is not new stuff for you. This is not some, some new knowledge that you've never had before. Listen to me, you that know righteousness, you people who have my teachings in your heart. You know it, it's in your heart. It's part of who you are. It's part of your being. Don't forget it. And yes, people will reproach you. And yes, they will revile you. But don't be dismayed. I'm doing something amazing. I remember when it came time for me to head off to college. And um, the beautiful thing about where I grew up out in the country, amazing people that I love dearly, the families, a lot of the families that I grew up with are still the families that are there today. And uh, one of the things you'll notice there is you don't just have your two parents, you have the whole community or your parents. So you got all kinds of advice, you know, when you'd be heading off. And one of the things you get is, now don't forget where you came from, right? Now they weren't meaning that literal, like, so write this down. Take I-77 north to Statesville. Then you take I-40 west, one ex- two exits, over to, high, to exit 150, which is Highway 115. Then go up 115 for about 15 miles or so, take a left on Pesca Church Road, go through the crossroads, and then you'll get up there to your mom and daddy's. That's not what they were meaning. I know how to get home, and yes, that will take you home. But what they're saying is, don't forget where you come from. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget your raisins. Don't forget your morals, your values, your faith, your essence, your DNA, your being. And God is looking at the people of Israel, and God is looking at the church today and going, don't forget where you come from. Turn to the rock from which you were hewn. Hannah puts it beautifully in 1 Samuel chapter 2 after she's blessed to be able to have a child. And and she says, there is no holy one like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. There's no rock like our God. And then David, when David is fleeing from Saul, who's trying to kill him, David says, the Lord, meaning again, God, Yahweh, is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. Skipping on down in Psalm 18 to verse 46, he goes on to say, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God of my salvation. And then Jesus. In Matthew 16, that scripture that I dearly love, 
is where Jesus is asking the disciples, who do the people say that I am? They give the various answers. Then he goes, who do you say that I am? And, and Simon speaks up. And Simon says, I know who you are. You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And there's something beautiful that happens here in the Greek, but we miss it in the English. And that is that Jesus looks at him and says, blessed are you, Simon, the son of Jonah. No human being told you this. God revealed this to you. But then he said, I'm changing your name from Simon to Petros. Petros, which means rock, but it's small rock. I'm calling you Rocky. Rocky one. Right, I'm changing your name to, to Rocky. But then he said, but upon this Petra, I will build my church. Don't you catch that? I'm changing your name to Petros, rock. But it's upon this Petra, this massive rock, that I'm going to build my church. This faith that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm gonna build my church to where even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Turn to the rock from which you were hewn. Jesus even put it this way in Matthew 7. He said, you might need to decide whether you wanna build your house on the rock or on the sand. Or, Matthew 21, 42, Jesus said to them, have you ever read the scriptures? The stone which the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. Do not forget the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you have been dug. I believe God is getting ready to do something new once again. As a matter of fact, there's some studies that are coming out now and that are showing that all of a sudden there's this revival in the interest of the faith, including among the younger generation who've come to realize that some of the stuff that's out there is not very satisfying, not really solid. So turn to the rock from which you were hewn. And now we have the privilege of coming to the table of our Lord to taste again this amazing gift of grace that God himself has offered us.